Good morning, Crestview family. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. So glad to have you with us. Um, if you are a guest or a visitor with us for the first time, I'd especially like to welcome you and let you know we'd like to know a little bit more about you. There are some cards in the pews that you can fill out just, just for, so we can get to know you and uh, follow up with you. Um, it's our second week in a row. We're back on regular schedules. So don't forget about our uh, Bible study here for the adults Wednesday night. And, um, we are, and then our youth and children will be out in the building Wednesday night at 6.30. Um, there's not a whole lot of announcements to talk about. I don't really think, uh, I just want to encourage you to join us when you have a chance this week. And um, if in, nobody else has any announcements, we can get to go straight into it this morning. Does anybody have anything? Nothing? Oh, there is a oh, there is a short business meeting after service. Very short business meeting after service today. Does that mean we'll have one next week too, or regular business meeting next week, and then uh, like a special called business meeting today? So, um, so uh, stick around for that if you can. And uh, I'll just turn it over to preacher Artie, and we can get started in prayer this morning. Good morning. You know, I cannot tell you the joy that I have being in church, but I cannot tell you the joy I have when I come up here to the pulpit and I find candy. <laughs> Terry, you may not want to leave this up here when Chad and I are the first ones up here because Sandra's not going to get it. <laughs> no, I'll leave that. I don't want it. Last week was her birthday. And I don't want to take anything from an old lady. <laughs> I told her I, could, I wasn't here last week, so I couldn't pick on her about it being her birthday. But I do love Sandra, and I'll leave her chocolate for her. Um, I won't touch her. I will tell you this also. Last night, or yesterday, Chad and his group of... Uh, Wrestlers that he works with raised $2,500 for the Cleveland County Boy Faustin Boys and Girls Club, $2,500. And I wish I had been there because I understand that Chad got slapped. <laughs> and not by his wife. Did it hurt, Chad? <laughs> but it was worth it. But uh, it is good to be here in the house of the Lord this morning. It is great to be with God's people. And we are so grateful to be here and so thankful that you are here with us. And as we begin our time of worship, we're going to put all jokes aside and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer to begin our time together this morning. So please join me in prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you as your people, as your children, dear Lord, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, because he died and shed his blood as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Dear Lord, the Bible tells us that the moment that Christ died on the cross, that, and he said it was finished, that the curtain in the temple that separated us from you was torn from top to bottom. 
Something that no man could do. But dear Lord, the Son of God did. And we are so grateful that we're able to enter into your presence. Not as strangers, not as enemies, but as adoptive kids. Your children, the sons and daughters of Almighty God. And we praise you for that. Today, as we come to you, dear Lord, there are many that can't be here this morning because of sickness. I ask that you touch them, that you strengthen them. Dear Lord, we know that there's some that have procedures coming up. We ask that the doctors, that you guide the doctor's hands. And you intervene as only you can. And dear Lord, just for this short hour that we are gathered together this morning, we ask that you shut out the cares of the world. That you have your way with us and you allow us for this short time to focus on you. May your spirit move among us. May the Holy Spirit of God open our ears and our hearts that when we leave this place today, we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we've been in the presence of God. Lord, we thank you. Have your way with us today. And it's in your precious name of our living Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Like I already said, we are here to worship our risen Savior. So let us stand as we sing, We Will Glorify, page 213. We will glorify the King of kings. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the worshiping by giving of our gifts, tithes, and offerings. Thank you.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to give back to you. You have blessed us so much. So I ask you to take this gift and bless it and the giver. For it is your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. And I'm going to ask you to stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, number 176, Fairest Lord Jesus. We'll sing the first and the fourth. to come forward this morning. I'm going to get me a stove to put up here all the time, Harvey. I'm going to find me some kind of stove to put up here. All right, how is everybody today? All right, I want to talk to you about friends today. Who in here has friends? Who in here has a best friend? Hey, friends are good, right? Well, what kind of friends do you want to have in your life? Do you want to have friends who are a good influence or a bad influence? A good influence. Do you want to have friends who will help you or do you want to have friends who could care less if you're in trouble? Help you, right? All right, so today we're going to talk about a man in Children's Church and he had four friends who were willing to help him in the best way possible. This guy was paralyzed. You know what that means? Who knows what that means? It means he couldn't move. And his four friends wanted to get him to Jesus because they had heard Jesus could heal, this, could heal their friend. And there was, like, there was no way to get in there. So we're going to learn about later is how these guys climbed on the roof of this house and tore and dug a hole in the roof and lowered their friend into Jesus. Now, well, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. So, but that is the kind of friends that I want to encourage you to have in your life as we go through this year. Um, Jesus, when the friends got this man to Jesus, Jesus healed him and he told him to rise up and take his bed and walk and go to your house. And this man who had been paralyzed did because his friends loved him enough to take him to Jesus. And so what I want to encourage you to do this year is I want to encourage you to do two things. 
I want to encourage you to have friends who love you enough to take you to Jesus. We'll talk about that. And I want to encourage you to be the friend to somebody else to lead and take people to Jesus. And we're going to talk about how we can do that because it's, it may be a little different than climbing on a roof and dropping somebody through a roof to Jesus. But there's ways that you can take people to Jesus and can, people can take you to Jesus. And we're going to talk about that. So let's bow our heads and we're going to pray and we're going to talk more about it when we go out to Children's Church. Okay? You excited? Yeah, I'm excited too. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for friends that we have in our life who love us. Thank you for allowing us to be friends to people to love them. Help us to be the kind of friend that loves people enough to take them to Jesus. Help us to, and help us to have the friends in our life that bring us closer to Jesus than everything that they do. Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for each one of these guys and girls. All this I ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. <coughs>
Thank you, choir. As you can see by the title of this sermon, we are going to start looking at the letter to the seven churches of Asia Minor as found in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. We're going to look at each one of these churches individually. But today, we're going to look in Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to look at certain things so we can fully understand when we get to each one of these churches. Okay? So if you would turn to Revelation chapter 1, we're going to begin by looking at, and this is going to be the focal passage today, look at Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. And once you turn there, if you will please stand. If you don't have your Bible, it will be on the screen. It's also in the bulletin. Revelation chapter 1 verses 4 through 7. And this is what we see the Apostle John writing here in his revelation from God. He says this, he says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and is who and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has released us from our sin by his blood, and he who has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and, the, and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I ask that you speak through me today as we begin to look at what we find John writing here in the book of Revelation, as we begin to look at these individual churches, dear Lord, please open our ears, open our hearts that we may receive Your Word and that we may apply it. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Okay, in this introduction today, we're going to be looking at several different things. But the first thing that I want us to look at is the audience. Who is this being written to? Well, in verse 4, the very part of first part of, of verse 4. It tells us who this is being written, written to. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Guys, I want us to realize this. Is that the first thing is that these are literally real churches that existed. This is in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. These seven churches actually existed 
and the time that John penned his revelation from God. One of these churches, and we'll get into that. Here, are the, These are several literal, literal churches, and here are the churches. The church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, the church of Percermum or Percommon or Pergamon, as, as people pronounce it, the church of Theatiera, the church of Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, and the church of Laodicea. Now, these seven churches, out of these seven, we know for a fact that Paul took part in starting in his own ministry one of these churches. Anybody want to take a stab at which church that was? The church of Ephesus, that is correct. If you remember, Paul spent several years in Ephesus with the people there, building and starting this church. But if you look at a map, and I do not have one to show you, but all of these churches, all of these places that are named here, they are right around, they're almost shaped in a half moon around Ephesus. So we can stand on this statement that Paul's ministry cascaded out from Ephesus and Ephesus had part in starting a lot of these other churches. People that, because Ephesus was a major city, a major trade. It was where that the, uh, a huge temple was. So there were people from all over coming into Ephesus. And the ministry of Paul and the ministry of those Christians there in the church of, at Ephesus, it impacted those people that were coming in. So it is by no stretch of the imagination, and it is very possible and most likely that these people that accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior as a ministry of this church while they were there in Ephesus spread out and went home. And what happened? They formed churches where they lived. So to say that these seven churches, it is not a, a stretch of the imagination to say that these seven churches were started through the missionary efforts of Paul. Maybe not directly with Paul there in those cities, but as a result of his ministry in Ephesus. But not only were these to these seven churches. And, and, and understand that this is that the book of Revelation, just like the other epistles that were written by Paul and, and the other epistles written by Peter and John, are open letters. You guys understand what that means? It does not, it is not a private letter. It is an open letter for anybody and everybody to read. And it was the custom that once one of these churches, like the, 
these epistles in the New Testament, once they received a letter, they would read it and then they would pass it on. This was one letter. letter. This was not seven different letters written to seven different churches and they kept everything to themselves. This was one letter written and it was passed on. So in other words, everybody knew the good, bad, and ugly of every church. When Paul called out somebody, everybody else knew it. When John called out somebody, Everybody else knew it. There was no secrets. There was no putting up a mask, a wall, portraying something false because God laid everything open for everybody to see. Okay, understand that in these letters. By, Paul, by John starting his revelation this way, it is very clear that the entire book of Revelation was a letter written to these seven churches. But not only these seven churches, but also to us as future generations of the church. Now remember, It is not this building that is the church. It is not the building at Poplar Springs that is the church. It is not the building at Beaver Dam. It's not the building at First Baptist. It's not the building at the, Mich- at the Methodist Church up the road. It's not the building at Calvary down the road. That is the church. Who is the church? The people. Those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is the church. The future generations of the church is who this letter is written to also. That is the audience of this letter, this record of John's revelation. So who is the author? Well, look at the rest of verse 7, or 4 through verse 7. It says this, From Him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before His throne, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he who has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. While John wrote the physical words, John took pen in hand and wrote down every word. The author of 
this letter to the seven churches was the Holy Trinity of God. And you may say, well, wait a second. It doesn't say the Holy Trinity. Well, yeah, it does. Watch this. God the Father. Revelation 1.4 From Him who is and who was and who is to come. What did God tell Moses in the burning bush His name? What did He say His name was? I am. Tell them that I am sent me. What does that mean? Those two little words, I am. God had no beginning. He has no end. He is who was, who is, and who is to come. God's name, Yahweh, means exactly that. God the Father. So we know the first person of the Trinity dictated, for a lack of better word, this letter that John is writing. God the Holy Spirit. Again, verse 4, and from the seven spirits who are before His throne. You're going to say, wait a second. Seven spirits? Understand this, that John is using an Old Testament description of the seven aspects of the Holy Spirit. Look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and strength. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These are the aspects of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord. It is the power of the Holy Spirit in us that causes us to fear the Lord. The Spirit gives us knowledge. You guys ever read something that you didn't understand and then you prayed and you read it again and it's like a light bulb goes off in your head? That is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is wisdom and understanding and it will allow us to rest on Him. Rely on Him. Let me ask you a question. Is it my job to save people? Is it your job to save people? My job has been very clearly laid out in the Bible. My job is to proclaim the Word of God and shepherd His people. I am the under-shepherd. Nowhere in my job description found in Scripture does it say that my job is to save people. You, as His disciples, me as His disciple, our job is not to save people. Our job is laid out in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. How are we to make disciples? By teaching them. It is the job of the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit 
to convict and draw people to Him. We cannot convict. We cannot save. Only the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. This book was co-dictated by the Holy Spirit. Just like all other Scripture. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, all Scripture is what? Inspired. That word inspired means God breathed. Just like He breathed life into Adam when He first created him. He breathed life into His Scripture. He inspired it through the Holy Spirit. And then, God the Son. Find it interesting. It's not that Jesus is more important than the other two parts of the Trinity. But He is the one that gave His life for us. And John takes verses 5, 6, and 7 to describe His Savior. Our Savior. Now look at what it says here. It says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to Him who loves us and released us from our sins by His blood. And He has... Let me flip the page. Made us to be a kingdom, priests to His God and Father. To Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see, and even those who pierced Him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over Him, so it is to be. Amen. Very pointed here that the author of these letters, this letter to the seven churches, this letter of revelation to his church is written and dictated by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. No other person. This was not a dream that John had. It was given to him to write down through the power of the Holy Trinity. So why? What's the purpose? The purpose of this letter of Revelation is to communicate with the literal churches and to meet their needs. And each one of these seven churches that are named here, we're going to see a very important and drastic need that are, that's in those churches. And each one, God tells them how to meet that need. How to fix the problem. If they listen to Him and they do what He says, problem's taken care of. But if He doesn't, if they don't, then God tells them what's going to happen if they don't. Okay. It is to communicate with these literal seven churches. 
But it also reveals seven different types of issues in churches and instructs them in God's truth. That is for us. It reveals to us seven issues that we need to be aware of that can occur in any church. And how, through the truth of God's Word, we can fix or even avoid those issues. That's the purpose of this letter. So the application. It's very simple. Each week as I go through each one of these churches, the application is very easy, very simple. How can the messages to each one of these churches apply to us today? How can the messages that God gave to each one of these seven churches apply to us today? Over the next few weeks, as we go through these letters, these messages to these seven churches, I want you to do something. I want you to apply this to your life. Apply it to our church. There is no one perfect. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect pastor. There's no perfect Sunday school teacher. Why? Because we are in we are fallible people. But we serve an infallible God. And we teach and preach an infallible word. And we serve and are saved by an infallible Savior. So there is always, always ways that we can apply God's truth to our life, our personal life, and to the life of our church. That is the application. And that is what I want you to do as we read through these different churches. I don't want you to see, well, God's talking to that church. No, He's not. Well, He is, but He's not. He's also talking to you. He's talking to us today. How can we apply this? Have we forgotten our first love? Have we been accepting of things? Have we become lukewarm? All of those things. We need to take the time to ask ourselves these tough questions and let the Spirit of God work in us to help us understand what exactly is it God telling to us. That's how we're going to apply it to us today. Now this Savior... The Son, Jesus Christ, that John describes. The firstborn of the dead. 
the King of kings, the leaders of the earthly kings. The one who loved us so much that He released us from the penalty of sin through His own blood. Church, we've got a decent crowd here today. But I hate to say this, but it's the truth. Within a crowd this size, even if you only have 10 people in a room, statistics tell us that there are still people that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. People that were like me, growing up in a Christian home, growing up in the church that can sing every verse of every hymn that is put up there without even looking at a hymnal. Never missed a day in Sunday school. But that have never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They know Him up here, but they don't know Him in here. This is your opportunity. Do not leave here today without knowing for sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That you become part of the church. And I'm not talking about membership at a local church. I'm talking about the church that's going to be raptured out. Those that believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Don't miss that. That's the most important thing. Is don't miss out on the opportunity to accept Him as your Savior. Second thing, that if you're looking for a church home, somewhere you can grow, somewhere that you can minister, somewhere where you can be discipled, this is also your opportunity to come forward and become part of this congregation. Become part of this body of believers. We are not perfect by any shape of imagination. We are so far from perfect, it's not even silly. But we serve a perfect God. That even though we are not perfect, He can cause perfect things to happen if we allow Him to do so. This is your opportunity. The altars are open. If you want to come and just pray, this is your opportunity to do that. Whatever it is that God is dealing with you today, do not leave this place today without letting God have His way with you today. As we sing this invitation. Would you stand as we sing hymn number four? To God be the glory, number four.
come ahead and come up and um why do your deacon of the week larry terry Terry. come on up here terry you can dismiss us thank you for being here don't remember remember that uh we do have a bible study 6 30 um wednesday night for youth children and adults and also make sure you speak to, uh, after the business meeting, um, speak to Ruth um, Osborne. She has got uh, the last bit of furniture loaded up heading south. Huh? <laughs> West? Oh, yeah, but this is still south. Not directly south, but it's, yeah. So uh, make sure you speak to her. We do, after Terry dismisses us from our worship service, Larry is going to come forward and, and call us into a short session of business. But it is good to see everyone this morning. And as we go to the Lord in prayer, remember, when you leave this building, when you leave this building, you're going onto the mission field. God has laid a mission field out before each and every one of us. And he has called us to go out and make disciples. Remember that as you leave this place today. Let us pray. 
Lord, thank you for the message that we receive. Lord, bless it to our hearts that we may go out and do your will, Lord. Give us the guidance. Give us the strength. And I do pray for all the ones that are not here today, Lord, that we can all be, you know, kind heart. Go see the ones that are not here. Call them at least, Lord. Give them the strength to come back to your house. In your name, Jesus. Amen.